If you want to become financially independent, come to my seminar. Let me show you how to make the fortune you have always dreamed about. Ready? Go! What happens if you are named in Nelson Rockefeller's will? You get rich quick. Stand on the line, turn the game again. Everybody's gonna lose, and I'm gonna win. Gonna get rich quick. This is my lucky day. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. Right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Episode 201. 201. After Noel took a little vacation. Yes. From life. Needed. And I took a little vacation from the show. Yeah. We're back. We're back, guys. I almost considered doing the show solo, flying Uh, solo. You could have done it. I could have done it, but then if it went really well... I would have just kicked you off the show. I think we'd be pretty safe on that one. <laughs> um, anyway, this is a show where I, Josh Rubin, and I, Noldenine, come together once a week over a single topic, and from that topic sprouts a forest of ideas in the garden of wealth. Wow. Uh, yeah, we come up with. I don't. Wow, I, I don't even remember the. You intro don't even anymore. remember one That's week. How bad one my memory is. Week if I don't do it, it regularly, yeah. I'll forget it. If I had gone on a longer vacation, you wouldn't even know who I am. If I didn't masturbate regularly, uh-huh. I would forget how to do it. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a show where I don't. And from that topic, yes. In that garden of wealth. Oh, garden wealth. From the forest. The forest in the garden. Uh, we give you the fruits. Oh. Ah. <laughs> kept it going, huh? Uh, we give you the fruits. Yeah. We don't sell these fruits. No matter how impeccable these fruits are, we give them to you. And you dive into that fruit basket. And you eat all of the fruits. And then... When you find that one fruit that you just have to gorge yourself on, you poop money. Okay. And that's what it is. We don't ask for any money up front. <laughs> we, we don't try to sell you our ideas. No. We give them we to even, you is what I'm saying. We don't necessarily try to make them make sense. <laughs> <laughs> we give them to you is what I'm saying. We give you our ideas. Yes. We don't treat them like they're precious little jewels that you have to pay for. No. You take those ideas, they resonate with you, whichever ones resonate with you. You take and you make your millions, billions, trillions off of them. Mm-hmm. And then, Noel, yeah. once you are wealthy, once you're shit and gold, yeah. then and only then, Noel, what do they do? Well, after you're sitting there and you're thinking, McMahon. McMahon. I've got this garden with the whole forest inside <laughs> it. I owe it to somebody. Who do I owe it to? Oh, yeah, that's right. The seed sower, Josh and Noel. I owe them 10%. I need to tithe them 10% of everything I've ever made. That's what your girlfriend calls me. The seed sower? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. She calls you the seed sewer. She has an accent. uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 10%, guys. You give us 10%. Yeah. It's funny that you say she has an accent because mm-hmm. she's a Latinga. She is. And you were away on vacation. Si, senor. In a país de Latinos y Latinas. Si. De Latinx. Si. 
How was your vacation, man? It was great. I was in Mexico City. I had a great time. I'm officially going to tell everyone that if they like cities, go to Mexico City. It's it's not something that a lot of people here think of, I don't think. But it was great. It's funny you say that because I, uh, uh, in this one, I have met several people uh-huh. who have have recently been like yeah going to mexico city oh really okay yeah I, it was particularly after roma came out okay and i and when i asked if it was because of they were like no but mexico city got really popular not long after that like yeah i was talking to like some young person that 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 was a client of mine and she was like oh yeah going down to mexico city for new years yeah and i'm like really what made you do that I don't know. Just a bunch of friends said we should go down to Mexico City, and we did. Well, I I also though had several people, more than one person say like, why why are you going to Mexico City? Really? <laughs> yeah. And it's like because it's supposed to be great. I'm like really? Okay, let me know. <clears throat> but it's not like they were anti Mexico City. It was just no, like just the idea. He's saying like I'm going to Toledo for a vacation, yeah. Ohio, Toledo, Ohio. Yeah, I, I know where Toledo is, as opposed to Toledo, Toledo, which is España. Which yeah, which I went to. Yeah, I would much rather go to Toledo. No offense to uh, our listeners in yeah. Ohio, particularly Toledo, but I would but much it just, rather. It just seems like a rando. I actually knew someone from Toledo, Ohio. Okay. She's a photographer. Okay. And uh, she was really happy to leave Toledo, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. So I used to, a long time ago, when I lived in Chicago, I used to date someone from near Toledo. Oh, near, like outside of Toledo? And it sounds like a horror show around there. She said it was very religious. Okay. And the only sort of, uh, which, you know, if you're religious, that's fine. But if mm-hmm. you're not religious and you're sort of like the tattooed crazy girl, yeah, uh, it's a little rough um, in terms of just dealing with people or people dealing with you. And the only thing that, like, you would go to Toledo to see <laughs> is whatever the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame, is it? No. No, there's base- some. There's a Hall of Fame there? There's some Hall of Fame there, I think. Really? I think, yeah. I think in Columbus is the Football Hall of Fame. All right. And uh, uh, I know there's the Toledo Mud Hens, which were made, f- which is a minor league team that was made famous on the t- television show of MASH. Okay. Because the uh, uh, the cross-dressing one who was trying to get out yeah, of the yeah, army yeah. was always talking about the Toledo Mud Hens. Okay. I don't know what other thing. I, maybe I'm wrong. She said there was a bridge. <laughs> that was the only bridge that... Uh, connected the same side of the river okay it sort of did a weird loop out okay into the river and back in all right so there you go there you go if you ever want to do that guys you know where to go but if you don't want to do that you can go to mexico city Uh uh-huh uh yeah it was fantastic we stayed in uh condesa which was great i told you some of this right before uh if you like dogs people you should go and stay in condesa they have a park there Called Parque de Mexico, not Parque de Perros. No, it's not. It's Parque de Mexico, Mexico. There's another great big park right there too. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone in the neighborhood, it's like a thing in the neighborhood to have a whole bunch of dogs, and everyone brings them to this park when they go to work. And there's people there that watch your dogs. And I showed Josh a picture. There's like 30 dogs just like sitting in a row. Perfectly well behaved. I assumed when you had said it to me, I assumed that it was like a dog park, you know, like fenced in dog park. They had that but also it's in like, there. 
But it's like, no, these dogs are on leashes, and they're laying on, like, yoga mats. Yeah, and the leashes weren't attached to anything. Yeah, no, they were just laying there waiting yeah. Yeah. for these guys to do whatever. It was it was very bizarre. Yeah, really well. But if you like dogs, go to this neighborhood. It's Bring dog. your dog. It looks like they must train them or something. Yeah. Like, that, that's got to be, like, an obedience training thing going on. I'm there. sure they do. Yeah, because they were so well behaved. I wouldn't trust Herschel with that shit at all. Why? Because he'd take off, especially if we were not there. Like, if we just (laughs) dropped him off and be like, see you later, Herschel. Yeah. The second they dropped his leash, he would take off. Well, you know, on Saturday when we were there, we walked through the park, and there were some not-as-well-behaved dogs. And I was like, okay, these are the dogs that only come here on the weekend, right? (laughs) (laughs) The bad dogs. But but they were just like normal dogs, right? right? It's not like they were bad dogs. They were just normal dogs. Mm -hmm. These other ones were like Stepford dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's impressive. I went to uh, Leon Tolstoy's museum. Or Leon Leon Trotsky. Wow. Not Leon Tolstoy. Uh Trotsky. Uh Uh-huh. yeah, saw his place. Yeah, I know. I, I, the the only photo you posted on Instagram of that was of his beat up old bathroom. Well, where y- all you wrote was Trotsky pooped here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I have other pictures taken for my better camera. So the only thing that I got Instagrammed was stuff I took on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I was walking around with the camera. Yeah, and you're taking photos of toilets with your phone. Is there a whole series of Mexico City toilets? <laughs> yeah, Mexico City toilets. You, you but you know what they had there that was a little weird? Uh-oh. Uh, there were all these dudes cleaning the grounds. Uh, all With their teeth? In little, like, hats. They held matching hats and uh, Trotsky Museum shirts. Oh, this was at And the then Trotsky some of them Museum. were, like, sitting in the garden and, and like, reading things. So there's like a, a like a, a communist school there, obviously. Oh, is that like an actual like is it an actual school? So they're not like hired by the. Uh, well, I'm sure it was looked like a little bit of both. It looked like they were kind of alkalites. Alkalites, you or know a- what I mean? You mean acolytes? Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you in the week that you were in a foreign country, you forgot how to speak English. No habla inglés. <laughs> Pero no habla español no. either. <laughs> <laughs> You're a mess. Dude. I'm caught between two cultures now. <laughs> you really are. It's got to be so hard yeah. for you after five days. Yeah. I, well, I know, man. Five and a half days in a foreign country yeah. and you don't know what to do with yourself. Still remember how to do the show, though. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see if uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to you in about 30 minutes looking down going, oh, my God, the card's not recording. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, Noel. That's a lovely story about your trip to Mexico. I had lots of tacos. Uh huh. <laughs> and it's uh, incredible. Uh huh. And it's weird serendipity, right? I had a chili relleno. A chili what? Relleno. Thank you. I think it's really interesting. If you say it like that, though, it sounds too close to anal. <laughs> <laughs> chili. Relleno. Yeah, the problem is when yeah. you say chile relleno, yeah. it sounds too much like you're an idiot. Well. I mean, that's the problem with that. You sound stupid. Six of one half dozen of the other, no, right? There you go. It's, I can have a, a, a an anal chili yeah. or I can sound stupid. Yeah. I personally would prefer to have an anal chili. Yeah. And if you say it correctly, yeah. it doesn't sound anything like anal. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. 
Um, you know, we come up with our topics mm-hmm. months and months and months <laughs> in advance. We do deep research. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think it's incredible yeah. sometimes, more often than not, that the way our topics line up with the story just sort of naturally happens yeah. without any sort of pre-thought about it. Mm-hmm. And then this is a perfect example because, Noel, today's topic is... Today's topic is Mexico. That's right. How to get rich with it. How to become muy fabuloso. Oh, stop speaking Spanish. <laughs> you know what I did while you were away? Uh-huh. I missed you so much. Yeah. Oh. I binge-watched... Canadian sitcoms. Oh, good for you. On uh, on Amazon. What ones? I, I, uh, well, there's only two. What? That are available here. One was Kim's Convenience. Uh, I've never seen that one. Is that good? It's, you know, cute. Okay. It's cute. It's about a Korean family who owns mm-hmm. a convenience store in Toronto. Okay. And uh, Is it supposed to be the new King of Kensington type of thing? The new what? King of Kensington. It was a big I, show I, when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, Corner Gas. Oh, which that was, was none. None of that was what I was expecting. Well, that was all. I, I thought had. you were going to see Trailer Park Boys and something. No, else. I can't. I watched that. I can't stand that show. Okay. Uh, what do you think I was also going to say? Letter Kenny. I don't know what that is. Okay. Well, you need to start owning <laughs> up on your ca- Canadianness. I know who Kings of Kingston is. You don't know how to say it. No. Though. King of Kingston. Anyway, Noel, yeah. I just think it's amazing that you decided to go to Mexico. Yes. At the same exact time we had planned to do the Mexico yeah. show. That's I caramba. I caramba. Anyway, no. Anyway, guys. Mexico. Mexico. Mexico can't figure out how to make money off of Mexico. Maybe you That's can. That's not true. Just do the fucking idea. Okay. You guys, Mexico, how are you going to get rich with it? I'll tell you. Uh, so I first started looking into, you know, I'm not going to act like I'm the Mexico expert. I was there for five days, only time ever. Uh-huh. Uh, well, that's enough to make you an expert. But I did pick up an accent. You did. You really <laughs> did. You, you actually sound more Canadian now uh-huh. than you ever did before. Sure. That I've known you, sure. at least. Uh, and so I did look things up. I didn't just go off my gut um, for all of it. But um, So I looked into what Mexico exports, right? Lots of oil. Mm-hmm. Lots of fruit, mm-hmm. lots of medical equipment, uh-huh. huge amount of medical equipment, mm-hmm. and car parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're also, I saw, the fourth largest producer of honey. Right. What about crystal meth and cocaine? I didn't get down to that. Oh, okay. Uh, a large portion of the honey comes from the Yucatan Peninsula. Or Yucatan. Yeah. Yucatan Peninsula. Uh-huh. <laughs> Peninsula. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honey has been produced there on a large scale <laughs> since the Mayans. Mm-hmm. Right? But this is in danger now. Bees are in danger all over the world. Well, there's deforestation. There's also industrial pesticides and GMO crops used for farming that's having a big impact on these bees. Uh, due to these factors, the numbers of hives needed to produce one ton of honey rose from 12 to 20 in over the past 20 years. I was still wow. shocked. One ton of honey in a year? In a year. That's a lot. That's crazy. It that seems like a, I a was so... A ton of honey out of 12 beehives. I know. I was shocked. I was shocked, actually, by that. Uh, t- like, if you had told me 20, I would have been shocked. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. But they're like, ah, it's only 20 now. 
Um, and I was extremely surprised when I saw who was responsible for this fall-off of the bees in this area. Are you going to blame me? going to blame Josh, guys. No, I'm not going to blame Josh because it's the Mennonites who are clearing more and more land to farm genetically modified soybeans. Mennonites in Mexico. Uh, in the 1920s. Mexonites. Mexonites, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 8,000 Mennonites moved from Mexico to Canada. I'm, yeah. <laughs> moved to Mexico from Canada. Uh, moved to Mexico from Canada. Yeah, moved to Mexico from Canada to escape military conscription and mandated public education. Now that damn mandated public I education. Know, I know. <laughs> now there are over one hundred thousand Mennonites in Mexico. Uh, notice I didn't say Mexican Mennonites because <laughs> I saw the pictures of these guys, and they still look like they're one generation from uh, Germany. Doesn't matter though. They're, I'm sure they are Mexican citizens. Yeah, and they all probably speak Spanish. I assume. Uh, apparently. Not all the women do. Oh, really? Because yeah. they're they're so sequestered, they only speak that weird German yep. that they speak. Yep, that, yep. That ancient German. Yep. Um, in 2008, the Mexican government offered subsidies to grow soybeans, and it was boom time for the Mennonites. <laughs> it was. I just like the idea of a boom time. <laughs> this was the best time to be a Mennonite. Yeah, it was. It in was. Mexico. It was the salad days. Uh-huh. Uh, potato salad, probably German but, potato salad well, days. It sounds like it's a soy-based product, whatever it is. Yeah, soylent days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, killing <sighs> myself. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> uh, you know, I got to tell you about reading up about the Mennonites. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole, uh, to the point where I was just like, oh. I should get back to researching stuff for this show. Where you were like, oh, this should be a show about Mennonites. The topic should be Mennonites. It, I, I don't know if we could do a whole topic on it, but I was fascinated by the, some mm -hmm. of the stuff. Right? Uh, so, important to clear up before I go any further, Mennonites mm. are not the same as Amish. They aren't out-and-out anti-technology. They're just anti-letting your life get ruled by it. Right? Uh, I found a blog by a Mennonite. Uh... <laughs> that was uh, about Mennonite things and drink recipes. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Like cocktails? Yeah. Like booze? Yeah. Huh. I was like, what? And then, so I went on this whole, as I said, Mennonite rabbit hole yeah. after I found that. And he starts talking about, oh, some quiz, because quizzes in Men the Mennonite community are still like great things on the internet. Uh, and... This quiz on this Mennonite comedy site went huge. And so I was like, oh, I got to check this out. And it's basically the onion for the Mennonite community. Uh -huh. And it's like all things like all headlines like local woman salad is actually mostly Cool Whip. And like <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was great. That's uh, funny. Yeah. Why don't you give out the. Uh... Uh, that one was called uh, the Daily Bonnet. Which is a great name. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, not as good as Radio Free Brooklyn. But no, it's not as do. good as Radio Free Brooklyn. That's true. But I wasn't around to name it. So uh, so there was a post on this blog about Mennonite vacations. 
Uh, the blog is written by someone who sounds like he's actually he's not an Orthodox <clears throat> Mennonite, mm-hmm. which I had no idea as well that there was anything but Orthodox Mennonites. I always thought th- th- I had always been under the impression thought that the Mennonites were sort of. Like the Amish were the Orthodox version, right? That they came from the same. The Mennonites um, and Amish came from the same uh, uh, basic grouping. Okay, but the Amish, Amish were the ones that were like super Orthodox and strict, okay. and the Mennonites would like wear other colors. Mm-hmm. Um, they would use technology, but it was like refrigeration. And like farming technology, I didn't realize that they were using computers and doing blogs yeah. and stuff like that. Like I had no idea that was a thing, but I didn't realize that there were within. That's what I always thought it was. So mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was that much of a separation that there that the Mennonites were so different that there's an Orthodox Mennonite community and less Orthodox. Yeah, but it sounds like this dude like wears regular clothes. Uh-huh. Uh, it sounds like maybe at one point he was a fallen Mennonite and then he came back oh. to it. Uh, but then they had pictures. Of some woman that was in the Canadian government that was Mennonite, mm-hmm. and she, her whole family was in regular clothes. Okay. Uh, but so, but he, but as a kid, he was raised, it sounds, Orthodox Mennonite. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, he was talking about in this blog post uh, his vacation he was taking to a cottage in Canada to chill out and read. And then he started going about the, the vacations that. They would take as a kid when he lived like as a more traditional Mennonite, mm-hmm. um, and they would take vacations mostly to other Mennonite areas, uh, often but not always using Mennonite conferences as an excuse. Uh, the family would go to the conference and then spend a little time on R and I after, right? And my mind again got blown by Mennonite vacations. R and I. R and R. Oh, R&R. Yeah, okay. rest and relaxation. Yeah, yeah, I got it was a vacation. Yeah. It I wasn't just a business trip. Um, and it turns out all the Mennonite vacations are not at all about uh, conventions. Pinecraft, Florida, a few miles from Sarasota, uh, is the go-to Mennonite vacation spot. Uh, there are even Mennonite snowbirds that go there for the entire winter every year. Uh, they swim in modest bathing suits, play games, go to concerts, pretty much vacation like normal folks. Uh, so popular that rentals need to be booked a year in advance. I mean, I would imagine that Mennonites vacation in other Mennonite communities. I mean, like, is that where no. they go? They, no. They'll go anywhere and everywhere. It Well, no, it sounds like they tend to go to other, well, to other Mennonite communities. Right. Or places where other Mennonites go. Okay. Right? Right. Uh, So the rules of being a Mennonite are much more lax for Mennonites on vacation because they're in a temporary situation. And apparently that makes some difference, Uh right? Uh, (laughs) And and there was uh, a New York Times article about this town in Florida, and it had in it, um, what happens in Pine Bridge stays in Pine Bridge. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, so what you're going to do, uh, there are levels of money happening here, right? You're going to organize trips for Mennonites to the Yucatan from Canada and the U.S. Payout number one. Cha-ching. You're going to have cabins near near the communities, the Mennonite community down there. 
but not right in it, right? You're going to let them see the forest that hasn't been de- deforested yet. Uh, and you're going to let them get into the nature there, fall in love with the area. Uh, and then hopefully they're going to create a movement within the Mennonite church that the area should be preserved. Mexican honey industry will pay you dearly for this. Ching number two. But there needs to be some fun, right? It's vacation. Yeah. So you're going to open up a Mennonite-geared <coughs> roadhouse called Altera Frosch, which is German for Elder Frogs, a.k.a. Senor Frogs. <laughs> you're going to serve rhubarb margaritas. You know Senor is not Spanish for Elder. No, that's why I said Altera Frosch. Right, which you said translates to elder frog. No, was chant to elder frogs. It's Altera Frosh, which translates to elder frogs, which is the Mennonite version of oh, Senor Menon- Frogs. Right, I guess because it's don't, elder. They don't say mister, they say elder. They have their elders. They okay. have their community right, elders. I got you. Um, they probably do say mister. I don't know. Uh, so you're going to serve rhubarb margaritas. You're going to serve rum springers and cokes. You're going to serve Germex food, uh-huh. right? Things like uh, the only couple I came up with, you can have crouchos, uh, like nachos with, with kraut. sauerkraut all over them. Uh, Brotteritos. Uh-huh. Uh, lots of German-Mexican hybrid uh-huh. food. It'll be, it'll be the new Tex-Mex. Uh-huh. And if that catches on, it'll be in every grocery store across American Canada. Yeah. And Mexico, maybe. Uh you're going to have wet bonnet competitions. Uh-oh. Going to see all that hair. Yeah, that's right. What happens down there stays down there, guys. <laughs> uh, and you're going to have it outside the community enough so that the local Mennonites don't see what goes on inside this so elder frog. they want to check it out as well. They can if they want, but you know, really they're living their lives and right. these other people are on vacation. Uh-huh. But they, when the people are down, they can go and visit the Mennonites down there. Uh-huh. Sure, of course you're they right? can. Um. You're going to have the uh, employees of this place. They're going to be staffed by Spanish-speaking Mexicans. Uh, And the patrons, they can speak their old German there. Mm -hmm. Nobody can hear what they're saying. That's right. So what happens in Mexico stays Mm -hmm. in Mexico. There you go. And that's it. That's cha-ching number three. Three Three-tiered plan for massive money. That's fantastic. Solid idea, no. Elder frogs. Elder frogs. That's great. Altera Frosh. Frosh. Altera Frosh. I like that you went to Mexico for five, six days, uh-huh. and you came back speaking German. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was going to give it the <coughs> German name at first, and mm-hmm. I mean the Fr- the Spanish name, and then I'm like, no, it'd be better as the German name. Senor Rana. It was, no, Mr. Frogs. It, it, well, no, no, but if you wanted to call it Elder oh Frogs. Oh, my God. Enough it was mejor. already. Um, mejor is better. Also Elder. According uh, to Google. Uh, well, I wouldn't trust Google Translate. Elder is not. No. Elder. Older is is, is viejo. So uh, right. I don't think it would be. Uh, what do you got? Uh, what do I got? So speaking of Mexico City, where you were. Yeah. Uh, here's some little. Bits of information okay. about Mexico. All Mexico right. City 
is the most populous city in North America. Uh-huh. The largest metropolitan area of the Western Hemisphere, mm-hmm. with over 21 million people living in it as of 2016. Okay. Could have gone up in the past three years yeah. as well. Uh, the city itself yeah. has a GDP of $411 billion, making Greater Mexico City one of the most productive urban areas in the world. Sure. It's responsible for almost 16% of Mexico's overall GDP. Oh, only 16? Yeah. I would have thought more. It's a big fucking country, man. Yeah, I know, but it's also a big city. Yeah, it is a big city, but if you take into account, like, especially when you go down to the Yucatan and the the Mayan Peninsula Mm -hmm. and all that tourist money that goes down in there. Yeah, that's 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 true. That's true. That's a lot of that, Um, you know. Uh, uh, Yeah. And uh, the, and that's the city alone, right? Yeah. So there's the city, and then there's the metropolitan area. Yeah, the metropolitan area is like multiple boroughs, like New York City. You know what I mean? And so it's basically like saying there's the there's the uh, the city of Mexico City, which is basically like saying Manhattan. Yeah, and then. So if you said Manhattan was 16% of all of New York's GDP, so, well, I thought the city was more than And then you include uh, uh, the four other boroughs. Mm-hmm. That brings it up. And so what actually happens is is uh, if you look at the overall metropolitan area of Mexico City, uh, it ca- accounts for 22% of the total national GDP. Okay. Uh, and if it were an independent country... Mm-hmm. Mexico City would be the fifth largest economy in Latin America. Okay. It has the oldest capital. It is the oldest capital city in the Americas and one of only two capital cities in all of the Americas that was uh, founded by natives. Sure. Uh, The other one, Noel, you know what the other one is? Because you've been there too. Quito? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What does that mean? So the city was uh, originally built on an island mm-hmm. in the middle of a lake called Lake Texcoco yep. by the Aztecs. And that city was known as Tenochtitlan, mm-hmm. which we've all read about if you did any sort of like uh, Mexican history, mm-hmm. Aztecs, learning about the Aztecs. As Tenochtitlan was the center of Aztec life. It was sure. the capital of the Aztec Empire. Uh, when the Spaniards moved, g- came in there... Mm-hmm. They liked it because it was so defensible. Mm-hmm. It was high up in a valley and in the middle of a lake, basically. There were roads that you could get into there from, but a lot of it was sort of rowing. So it was super defensible. So they said, you know what, we're going to keep this. And over time as the Spaniards... And everything else. <laughs> yeah. And over time as the Spaniards sort of became more and more... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and they destroyed Tenochtitlan yeah. and uh, 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 buried over the old city. Uh, and the city started to expand. They realized what they needed to do was drain some of these lakes and swamp areas. People were getting sick yeah. because of the combination of waste, water, and mosquitoes coming off of the uh, wetlands surrounding them. So they... <clears throat> Drain the entire lake, uh-huh. and then over time, covered it entirely in concrete and steel uh-huh. as we get to more modern times. And apparently, Mexico City did not have like a huge population till uh, uh, well into the 19th century. Okay. 
or uh, uh, it was literally around like 1900, 1910, which is really the 20th century, that suddenly people just started going to Mexico City. And they originally had like, in like 1900, there were half a million people in Mexico City. Uh-huh. And it built up to 21.3 million in 100 plus years. All right. Right, which is a lot. And so that's when they started being like, we got to expand, we got to expand, mm-hmm. we got to expand. So this whole dry lake bed gets covered over with concrete steel and they start building massive skyscrapers mm-hmm. to, uh, <coughs> to take over. Well, Mexico City is also the only major capital to not be on a body of water. Okay. Or be near a body of water. Um. And getting water to 21 million people requires a lot. Yeah. So what they've been doing is they've tapped into the aquifer below ground, uh-huh. and they've been using that water. Something like 70% of all the drinking water in Mexico City comes from this aquifer underground. The problem with this is as they're removing the water, and they're removing it faster and faster and more and more of it, the city is sinking. Oh, really? Yeah, big time. Oh. I don't know if you noticed this when you were walking around, but there's lots of buildings that are tilted and leaning. Uh-huh. Um, there's, the, there's a famous statue in the, in the center of Mexico City that I can't remember what it is. With but the it, angel on with it? With the angel yeah. on it. That used to be level. Now they had to build stairs to it to get up to it because the ground has sunk so low be- be- below it. Really? Yeah. Um. Mexico City's sinking hard, and it is sinking fast. In the last six years, the city has sunk more than 32 feet. Whoa. And it is currently sinking at a rate of six to eight inches every year. Wow. The aquifer goes down. The water underneath goes down at a rate of three feet a year. Oh. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I was, and and so there, there. It's a two pronged problem, right? They're running out of water, mm-hmm. and the city's going to eventually collapse. In fact, there was one uh, 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 situation where a kid was walking through his neighborhood, and there was a crack in the ground, and it suddenly just opened up and swallowed him up, and he disappeared. Whoa! Something like sixteen schools have collapsed in on themselves. Really. Because of this. It's a huge problem. Yeah, yeah. And they don't know what to do about it. Um, well, this is what you're going to do about it. Okay. So this is going to be a two-pronged attack here, okay? First one, we're going to deal with the water. Yeah. Water is super simple. <laughs> uh, because of where it is in the mountains, Mexico City gets a ton of rain. Oh, yeah. And as you said, it comes in these bursts. You get these massive downpours, yeah. which actually cause flooding. Yeah. Because they go through drought periods, and then they get these massive downpours that last for half an hour, 30 minutes, but it just dumps rain. And then, of course, these dry, parched areas, they flood, right? (coughs) So the first thing you're going to do, because it is surrounded by mountains everywhere, you are basically just going to set up cheap aqueducts. Uh You know, you can just, you know, dig things through the mountains like from the top of the mountain down just going to go into massive pools you're going to buy property all surrounding okay mexico city and you're basically going to put a moat there okay and that's going to be your water yeah yeah and people are going to have to buy water from you 
And I think we all know, we've discussed this before, how much you can make off of water when people really need oh, it. Oh, yeah. So that's number one. Okay. Number two, though, the big one, how do we deal with the sinking city? So I was looking up. I had remembered seeing something about Venice because Venice also is sinking uh-huh. at a much slower rate, but it's sinking. It's going underwater. And all the buildings there are essentially underwater on some sort of stilt set up. And because of the sinking and because of all the water that these buildings is, they can collapse sometimes. The water wears down the brick and the mm-hmm. stone. And one of the things they do there is uh, when they have to prop up the building to replace the stanchions that they're on, they use giant bladders, essentially, that mm-hmm. they fill with air that hold up the section of the building that they then can knock out mm-hmm. the stanchions and put new ones in. And I was like, well, can we do that with Mexico City? Sure. And it was sort of like, well, even if you could get under Mexico City, the fact that you are blowing up these things with air, you're still getting the pressure on the ground. So it's like, yeah, you're lifting it up, but it's still sinking. It's yeah. not going to stop sinking. You're sort of giving it a couple few extra years. Mm-hmm. Um so I was sort of looking up like sort of inflatables for buildings and stuff like that. And I came across a whole website about people who make inflatable buildings. Yeah. Okay. Um, the biggest one that I saw was put together by a Japanese architect named Arata Isozaki and this artist Anish Kapoor. And uh, there was a ma- when the, the last major earthquake and tsunami hit Japan... Uh, uh, Arato Isazaki came up with this idea based on something that Anish Kapoor had done, and they basically made this thing called the Arc Nova, uh-huh. which is an inflatable mobile concert hall that can seat 500 people inside an inflatable building and have an entire orchestra, uh-huh. performances of all kinds. It goes up in an hour, comes fully down, and they fold it up and they put it on a truck. And it can go to the next place. All right. So you can basically bring uh, uh, this performance venue all around to these ravaged places and give people some entertainment. Just take their minds off of things for a while. Obviously, it's huge, right? Uh, in uh, uh, Denmark, uh, uh, a f- uh, uh, an architecture firm called Big designed a bubble-like cloud pavilion for the Roskilde Music Festival. So they basically made a big blow-up pavilion mm-hmm. that they then put everything underneath and they, you know, had concerts under there that like a thousand people would go and see. Um, another Swiss studio called Bureau A made a club, a blow-up club that mm-hmm. had a bar, a dance floor, uh, inflatable furniture, seating tables, and a DJ booth. Again, several hundred people. So this is... What you're going to do. So we already got the water. Okay. You're taking care of the water. You're you're rich from that. Yeah. Next thing you're going to do. As I said, buildings are collapsing. Uh Uh-huh. Cracks in the sidewall. Everything like that. Every time a building collapses, you're going to replace it with a blow-up building. Okay. Except instead of air, you're going to fill that building and that pavilion with... Water. Helium. Oh. 
and you are essentially going to cover the landscape uh-huh. of Mexico City with helium buildings, helium pavilions, uh-huh. helium everything, huge thing. And it's going to cause... Uh, sure, some lift. It's going to make Mexico City float. It's yeah. going to be suspended over the clay lake bed. Yeah. And will not only stop the sinking, depending on how many that you replace you are going to actually get it to lift back up. Uh-huh. You'll get those thirty, those 32 feet back. Yeah. Stabilize Mexico City and be a hero. Yeah. The other beauty of this is Mexico City can now be known as the bouncy city. Sure. And people will bring their kids from far and wide to go into all the buildings and bouncy like a bouncy castle. Yeah. But huge buildings. Their dogs. Everything. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. That's, That's great. That's good. Uh, hey, guys, if you want to thank Josh the traditional way uh, for that, you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, go to the Get Rich Quick with Josh Knoll show page, hit the sponsor button, pledge an amount. Half that money go to Josh and I thanking us for these great ideas. Half that money goes to Radio Free Brooklyn and keeps them afloat in their own way without helium. If you hate Josh, if you're like a Trumpy, and you're like, no, screw Mexico, you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, hit the pledge button, pledge an amount, only Radio Free Brooklyn will profit, not Josh and I. Uh, if you want to help us out in other ways, you can subscribe to the newsletter, Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, you can uh, download the app, iPhone or Android. You can get the Radio Free Brooklyn app. Uh, we also have, if you want to help yourself, Radio Free Brooklyn and us do the trifecta. Uh, and you record a podcast, need somewhere to do it, you can do it at Radio Free Brooklyn. We round up the studios uh, different ways with an engineer. You can get a, you can get an editor. You can get package deals. And <laughs> if you do it before September 1st and give them the code GRQ, you get 20% off. All right? Uh, That's a good deal for all you uh, podcasters in uh, New York City. It is, and we got two studios. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, one's basically being a dedicated uh, recording studio, right? No, but most of the uh, of these type of things are going to what was before the old main studio, uh, just because it's a nicer building, right? Right. So, okay. Well, there you go, guys. If you're a podcaster. And it's cheap, I think, from everything I understand in terms of... As far of, as that stuff goes, I think, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's pretty inexpensive. Yeah. Anyway. So do it. Uh, you guys, Mexico. Oh, no. You guys. Enough with Mexico. We've been going on with Mexico for a while. It's time we talk about something different for a minute. Just another minute of something to get you even more rich. So, Mr. Josh, take it away. I'm going to show you how to be a millionaire like the big boys and how they make their money. All you need is 100 pounds, or it could be 50 pounds, 25 pounds, or even less. You don't give me the money, you keep it all for yourself. You don't pay anybody anything. Now, this particular method is buying and selling. If you say you start with 100 pounds, you buy something for 100 pounds, and it could be one thing or it could be many things, and you sell that to make a 100 pound profit, giving you 200 pounds. And then with that £200, you do exactly the same thing. You buy one thing or many things, and you double your money to 
£400. So you make £200 profit. So then you have this £400 and then use the £400 to buy one or many things um, to uh, get £800. Or you might even get £1,000 if you're lucky and, 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 and things go well for you. And, and with that £800 or £1,000, you buy something else. One thing or many things for, um, for that amount to double your money again. So you do this 14 times and you make a million pounds. You need no education whatsoever. You don't even need to be able to read and write. So there you go. There you go. What I like is we've heard Daniel Alley use the same formula as well. Yep. It's uh, it's universal is what I'm saying. Yeah. We've heard several ones. And I always love it. Uh-huh. I always love it. <coughs> this one, though, it was in pounds. It was, which means that if you wanted to actually make a million dollars, you could do that selling less. Yeah, you could. If you did it in pounds. Yeah. Right. So if you bought something for a hundred pounds, sold it for two hundred pounds. Yeah. You end up in pound that, town. You end up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no. Anyway, guys. Mexico. Uh, Mexico. How are we going to get an itch with it? I'll tell you. Uh, so when I was in Mexico, one of the things we did is we went to uh, Tijuacan. Uh, I, th- I I think is the pronunciation. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's not, <laughs> but uh, since I'm not looking at it, uh, I, I think I'm pretty close. Uh, okay. The pyramids. Uh-huh. Um, and they were pretty awesome. Uh, we climbed up them, and we uh, they looked like something out of a movie or something, right? Uh, <laughs> they did. They looked like something out of like a... Like a they're great. Uh-huh. Um, th- I was... Am- they were shockingly large. Yeah, they're and big. And climbing up them... It's exhausting. It's steep. Did you make it all the way to the top? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you had to basically use hands and feet, right? At parts. Yeah. It was so steep at parts, you had to use your hands and feet. Um, and then coming down was... Terrifying. The scarier part. I had heard that they had stopped because it was, like, affecting the steps so much, they had stopped letting people climb them. It was so many people going up. Yeah. It was nuts. I think in other places they have, like... Uh, but not the big guys, right? These were the the Pyramid of the Sun. We didn't go up the Pyramid of the Moon, too, but it looked like they only let you up halfway up that one anyway. So, um, And I was amazed when I was there that there was nothing else out there other than a few booths and people selling tchotchkes near the entrance, right? Uh, there was one super bad place to eat. Uh, as you drove in, there was a few people gathered around where you drive in trying to sell bottles of water or tours, mm-hmm. and that's it, right? You drove all the way out there, you walk up the pyramid, you get in your car, and you drive home. And I thought, that's a shame. I did, mm-hmm. right? Wouldn't it be nice to spend an afternoon, a day, a weekend? Like like uh, the restaurants in uh, uh, the, the pyramids in... in uh all right, anyway, go on. Yeah, like the restaurants <laughs> and the pyramids, guys. Yeah, I did the thing about the restaurants and the pyramids in uh, Egypt when oh. we did Egypt. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's nothing like that there. So, and, and I did initially think of opening a nice restaurant there with filtered water and gringo-friendly food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you do, you owe it to me. Uh, you owe me money. Not Josh's was obviously about Egypt. 
Uh, but that is a boring idea, and there has to be <laughs> more calling my idea boring? No, I actually had already written down boring idea before I realized that you had done this idea wow, before. you're fucked up. Uh, so I, I had posted a picture of the pyramids up on, uh, on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. And our old guest and resident kook, Eric Perkis, uh, sent me a message asking me if I could take pictures of any hieroglyphics of UFOs that I see while I'm out there. <laughs> Perkis. Uh, and I realized what it was that was missing, right? <laughs> Nobody was capitalizing on the mystery of the pyramids, right? And they are mysterious. No one knows who built them. Uh, there are a few theories, but no one really knows. Uh, the Aztecs found them already abandoned. They had been built over a thousand years before the Aztecs even made the scene. Uh, and again, uh, there's theories about how they were abandoned, but nobody knows. Uh, it was a city with over 250,000 people there. Uh, but there were no defensive structures or military anything. Uh, the main theory at the point is that there was a volcanic eruption nearby and random people ended up there and built these massive structures. I don't think so. That's why there's so many wild theories about them, right? UFO believers. Well, they think they're landing pads built by aliens. Aliens then prote- uh, protected the people, which is why there's no military. <laughs> the Aztecs, they thought the old gods built them and lived there. Also, why no need for military? Uh, that idea was seized upon by H.P. Lovecraft and inspired Cthulhu. Right? So this is what you're going to do. You're going to build a fantasy resort at the foot of the pyramids. Mm-hmm. It's going to be sort of a Renaissance Fair type mashup of... 50s sci-fi UFO B-movie, Victorian or steampunk Lovecraft, and Native Peoples also Lovecraft, right? So you're going to have like a big 1950s-style flying flying diner, saucer diner. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're going to be kitschy. You're going to have alien bodies from the crash scattered around an area with retro Airstream trailers. Mm -hmm. For those people staying. So it's like Area 51 meets steampunk. Meets steampunk meets uh, well, this whole survival. Okay. Right? Uh, you're going to have a, a Lovecraftian Victorian mansion main building that's going to have lots of monsters and creepy haunted house stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a, a glamping area for the natives who hold nightly <laughs> rituals to try the and natives. awaken the old gods. Oh. And you are going to get... Nerds and geeks and people who like a good time who, like we said, a lot of people just don't even consider Mexico City. They'll just go there for this. Mm-hmm. And you'll have your own draw at the foot of the pyramid. You're going to make a lot of money, and that's my idea. That's a great idea. Solid idea. Yeah. Here's my next idea. Okay. Same thing? Yeah. But purple. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm going to do sometime if I don't have an idea. I'm going to let you go first, and I'm just going to say, mine idea, same thing but purple. I never go first, so okay. it'll never happen. That's true. The, the second you say, why don't you go first, yeah. I'm going to be like, oh, no, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, okay. Um, what would you think mm-hmm. is the number one cultural export to come out of Mexico? 
cultural expert export? Hmm. You're right, Noel. The taco. Oh, sure. Okay. I oh, didn't realize you were counting food as culture. Sure. A- around the world. Sure. Yeah. You can't go Huge. anywhere now yeah. without seeing a taco stand. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- you can go to Denmark, and some one of the best taco stands in the world is in Denmark right now. Really? Yeah. A former uh, a Mexican woman who is a sous chef at Noma. I, I've seen stuff by her, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah opened yeah. up. She loved living there, and she decided she was going to really sort of get back into her Mexicanness, and she opened up a taco stand in Denmark. Yeah. Uh, you can't go to a restaurant in this country anymore that isn't trying to uh, mix cultures by putting whatever their favorite dish from their country is uh-huh. into a taco shell yeah. of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the Indian taco place right around the corner from yep. here, Taco Mahal, yep. very popular. Uh, Korean tacos. Yeah, oh, it's huge. Huge. Yeah. You name it. You name it. The mixing of those things are, yeah. are, are incredible. Germex. Right. Um, tacos, huge in this country, huge in Canada, mm-hmm. huge all over the world. Um, one thing you don't see a lot of is tacos made with some of the leanest, most delicious meat around, rabbit. Okay. Right? It's delicious. Rabbit's really good yeah. when it's done properly. You know, you cook the legs, you braise them. They're nice and tender, succulent. Uh-huh. The rest of the body you cook quickly, like the little tenderloins. Delicious. I got a good name for him. What? Do you have a name? No, I don't have a name. What's up, Daco? <laughs> That's a great name yeah. for him. So you're gonna. So so <clears throat> here's the thing. I don't know if you remember in a spend that money. Uh-huh. The most expensive taco in the world. Oh, it was a lot. Was like fifteen thousand uh-huh. dollars, and it was covered in gold and this and that and the yeah. other thing. Fuck that. Yeah. You're gonna make a down home, delicious uh-huh. taco. But what's gonna make it so expensive is you're gonna use rabbits. Uh-huh. That are amongst the rarest in the world. Oh. And they are, are from Mexico. Oh. The volcano rabbit of Mexico. Uh-huh. The second smallest <laughs> I can rabbit. See why they'd become rare. Yeah. The second <laughs> smallest you volcano. <laughs> <laughs> the second smallest rabbit in the world, next to only the pygmy rabbit. Okay. Is only found on the slopes of four volcanoes uh-huh. near Mexico City. The entire species is confined to areas where zacaton bunch grass grows, mm-hmm. um, which is all they eat and what they use for shelter. Okay. But because of obvious human encroachment, yeah. and similarly what's happening with the bees because of the Mennonites, uh, these areas of zacaton grass are being used to feed livestock yeah. and uh, uh, pasture burning. Um that these rabbits are on the verge of extinction. Okay. So what you're going to do, you're going to get out there, you're going to capture as many of these rabbits as you can. Yeah. You're going to grow zacatone grass, you're going to breed them, you're going to keep them in your little abattoir. The one thing about these rabbits is they don't breed like rabbits. No. They don't, they're not, for some reason, they're not as like humpy humpy, have litters of 20 or 30 yeah. rabbits. They're it's worried about looking thing. for lava. Well, yeah, you got to run. You can't take the whole family with you. Yeah. Um, 
You're going to grow them, and then you are going to sell $15,000 tacos made out of volcano rabbit meat. Yep. And that's how you're going to get rich from Mexico. That's great. I like it. It's a good idea. You guys, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go on, uh, get us on Twitter at GRQ Josh Noel. <coughs> you can email us at GRQ with Josh and Noel at gmail.com. You can get us on Facebook at Facebook slash GRQ Josh Noel. You can go on iTunes or anywhere that you get a podcast anywhere now uh, and uh, subscribe, rate, review. If you don't listen to us in podcast form, we implore you to tune in Saturday nights at 8 o'clock. Get the schemes five days before everyone else. Uh, hey, you know what? We have had a few people reach out to us lately, uh, but we don't have time this week. Next week, we'll we'll address uh, the issues. Oh well, I got I got to go look and see what. Got to look things up. Is it um, on Facebook? Uh, it is on. Those are on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. And I've, I, yeah. Um, and so you guys, uh, you got a lot of money in your pocket right now. You got to do something with it. Josh's going to tell you what. We all love taking a day trip to our local IKEA store. Fortunately, IKEA offers its large blue Frakta tote bag for a mere 99 cents. While these bags are practical and affordable, they're not particularly awe-inspiring, which made it so strange that luxury brand Balenciaga released its own high-end take on the IKEA bag. The bag is made of leather instead of plastic, and the price tag is slightly heftier at $2,145. Why spend big bucks on this purse when you can get an Ikea tote for a fracta of the price? <laughs> fracta <laughs> of the price. Yeah. Probably won't be using it to do your laundry, though. Mm, maybe. Why not? Maybe you will. Hey, you guys, we know our ideas are rock solid. They're worth quitting your job. They're worth taking out loans. They're worth spending your children's college funds on. How do you know they are? It's because Josh scours the internet for rules of getting rich, rich quick to which we judge our schemes by. Josh, where do our schemes, uh, our rules come from? <laughs> Today's rules come from the Ten Commandments of Getting Rich from Grant Cardone TV. Uh, Grant Cardone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, rule number one, Noel. Yeah. yeah. Don't get in the wrong vehicle. <laughs> Don't get in the wrong vehicle. Get in the right buggy. That's right. And go down to Mennonite Town. Eat some Mex Germex. Uh, and uh, win a, a wet bonnet contest and don't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, one more, I guess. Yep. Number two. Number two. You must have a target. You must have a target. Raise those buildings. Build them up. Right? That's right. Or, you know, land that spaceship. Land on that the, spaceship on right on top right of the pyramid. Right on top of the pyramid. Yep. That's a target that's right that's there right, for Perkis. it. That's right, So uh, that's two for two, Noel. Yep. So we're definitely getting rich. So we once are. again for Josh. And Noel, don't spend all that knowledge in one place. Gonna get rich quick. This is my lucky day.